Joining a priceless perspective. We are really excited to have joining us today Miss Jackie Bruton. She is a phenomenal motivational speaker and an advocate for young people, and she has traveled the country speaking to young people about abstinence and saving themselves until marriage. At Diamond in the Rough, we've had the pleasure of working with Jackie for over six or seven years, and she has an incredible way of connecting with both youth and adults alike. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome Ms. Jackie Bruton to A Priceless Perspective. How are you, Jackie? I am doing well. Thank you, Nicole. I am so excited about being here myself. Fantastic. Well, we are glad to have you here. Okay, so I know you, and many in Diamond in the Rough know you, but if you could, can you share with our listeners a little bit about the work that you do and what led you into the field? Yeah, Nicole, I think my story is somewhat similar to yours as my background was in corporate America. And when I was working um, for Procter & Gamble, I lived in a number of different cities and always participated in the mentoring program every time I relocated to another city. And I was always mentoring young ladies, of course, and I kept hearing from these young ladies over and over and over again about the regrets that they were having. And in most cases, if not all cases, the regrets had to do with their sexual decisions. And so I kept saying, wow, maybe if someone had told them, like, how much they were worth, maybe if someone had given them some tools, maybe they would have made some different decisions. And then one day it was like, well, why can't I be that somebody? And so I really consider this a calling. And so I look at it as I chose significance over success because I was successful, but I wanted to make a difference in somebody's life so that I could leave a legacy. And, you know, even after I've left, there was a reason why I was here. And so I left October of 2001, and so for the past 11-plus years, I have been going into middle and high schools. Um, My main audience is Cobb County, um, which is where I live, but I also uh, have have had a contract for seven years in Paulding County and done some work for the governor's office where I've traveled across the state. I like to say I teach towards something instead of away from something. And, you, you know, you mentioned in the intro that a lot of people think abstinence is one thing, it just say no message. I like to say it's a just say yes message. It is. It's about helping young people say yes to the incredible future that God has for them. Exactly. Yeah. Now, in the years that you've been doing this, what has been the most challenging when it comes to teaching people and, and talking to young people about this message of abstinence? Well, I could probably answer that a couple ways. Um Just overall, I think the most challenging thing for me has been adults who haven't believed that this message is realistic. And so if I could convince it, I have a much easier time convincing the young people that that they should be able to, to be absent than I am convincing adults. But if I look at it from the standpoint of what's been most challenging as far as in the classroom, I think for me it has been being able to deal with the heart-wrenching stories that I hear from so many students. I mean, and this is males and females, because so many of these young ladies are simply medicating pain. 
and it's hard for me to to not try to fix their problems. And in most cases, I can't fix their problems. But I wish I could because they're just medicating something that has happened either years ago or they're using sex and sometimes drugs and alcohol and other things to medicate pain. That's real. And working with young people um, in and through Diamond in the Rough, you're absolutely right. Young girls are looking for love. As our friend Yvonne Williams says, looking for love in all the wrong people. And that's what what we're seeing. Now, I, I think that it's important for us to define abstinence. As, as we discussed, some people feel like the message of abstinence is all about teen pregnancy prevention. But as you mentioned, it's so much more. When we're talking about abstinence, we teach it in Diamond in the Rough. I travel around talking about it. You, you're passionate and you're talking to people around the nation about it. Can you give our listeners a clear definition of what abstinence looks like? Because people have these little gray lines, these little fuzzy lines. Well, this is sex, but this is not sex. Some parents are clueless when it comes to, to abstinence, and they fed into a lot of mainstream media that has painted a picture that it's, it's impossible. But we know that to not be the case. It is possible, and there are young people from coast to coast who are taking a stand, who understand their value and their worth, and who are making a commitment, young men and young women. Can you define abstinence or share with our audience, just in case there's somebody who's not really clear on what we're talking about? Well, when I'm talking to the um, to the students, I, I often have to define what I mean by abstinence with them because you're right. So many of them will say, well, but that's not sex. Well, but I didn't go all the way, and I didn't, and I tell them, that um, I consider them being absent, and you can abstain from a number of different things, drugs, sex, alcohol, is, but as far as sex, is not putting themselves at risk of consequences. And those consequences could be emotional consequences, they could be physical consequences, and they could be STDs, they could be pregnancy. But sometimes the emotional consequences are far more devastating than the physical. And when we talk about the physical consequences, even with STDs, you know, a lot of the students don't think that oral sex is sex. Well, you know, the number one cause of throat cancer now is HPV, which is a sexually transmitted disease. So more people get throat cancer from oral sex than smoking today. Smoking used to be the number one cause. There are, you know, STDs that are spread by skin-to-skin contact, herpes, HPV, syphilis, all spread by skin-to-skin. And, you know, I know situations and stories of young ladies who have contracted herpes, HPV, and they technically consider themselves a virgin because they haven't had intercourse. One of the things that I tell parents when, you know, the whole safe sex message, which is what a lot of parents subscribe to, is I say, so safe sex, you you know, you're they, and they're considering pregnancy because that's what most parents don't bring a baby home, like you said. Mm-hmm. But I say, so you would be okay with your child not getting pregnant, but they end up with cervical cancer. You would be okay with your child not getting pregnant, but yet when you want to have a grandchild, when she's older, she can't have a grandchild. You can't have a grandchild because of an STD that she got when she was a teenager, and now she's infertile. And I don't think parents have really connected how this will even impact them later in the future. And I tell people, I say, when I was growing up, you know, some parents subscribe to the philosophy of if somebody hits you, you hit them back. And that's what they tell their kids. And I say today, if you gave that same advice to your kids, you could get them killed because back then they were fighting with fists and now they're fighting with guns. 
And that's what I tell them when I'm trying to compare the landscape today to when they were parent, when they were teenagers, because safe sex to them was we don't want you to get pregnant. Well, now we have the STDs that are, you know, there were two STDs in the 60s. Now we have over 25. Right. We have STDs now that are not curable and STDs that are spread by skin-to-skin contact. And parents don't realize that the rules have changed. And the consequences are much higher. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, the thing that I find just amazing, because I did grow up in a community and in a time where it was a message that was put forth about protection. It was a comprehensive message that was all about protecting yourself. And we both know, because of the studies that we have looked into and through different conferences and books, we understand that the the brain is not fully developed until young people get into their mid-20s. And so here we are in our society, unfortunately, giving young people information that they're not able to fully comprehend and to process. And, you know, they're not really giving thought to the long-term consequences. I know as a young person, you know, I felt like, okay, I'm mature. I know this is what I need to do. But like you said, I mean, especially when you start talking about emotions, a condom cannot protect your heart. A condom cannot protect your reputation. A, A condom cannot protect your relationship with your parents who might lose trust if you go down a a road um, of promiscuity or what have you. So it's just such a much broader issue than I think adults take time to, to look at. I think about the messages that we give to young people about drinking and driving, and we take a strong stance on that. Right do not drink and drive, or when it comes to smoking. We don't tell young people, don't smoke, but if you smoke, make sure you have filtered cigarettes. If you're going to drink, drink light. Don't drink hard liquor. But when it comes to this issue, it's like we've fed into a message that says they're going to do it. But I know that you are working and you come in contact with young people who have and are taking a stand in their community and who are vocal. Can you tell me about some of the joys and rewards in the work that you do? Yeah, probably the, one of the most rewarding things about what I do is running running into students years later. And, you know, remember I've been doing this for 11 years. So I have young ladies now who are in their 20s who heard me speak when they were in the eighth grade. And I always tell people my, my um, the, the success story that I'm probably the most proud of is about three years ago I had a young lady who found me on Facebook, and she sent me a Facebook message, and she said, you don't know me, but I'll never forget you. She said, you were my speaker five years ago in the eighth grade, and she told me her middle school, and she said, you inspired me. I made a decision then that I wanted to wait until I got married to have sex. And she said, five years later, I'm still waiting. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And that young lady was a freshman at, at Georgia Southern at the time, so I responded back and said, you know, told her how much it meant for me for her to find me and, and tell me that. And I said, when you come home, I'd love to meet you for lunch. So we met for lunch. She graduates next month from Georgia Southern. She's a theater major. She's still a virgin. She has been traveling with me for the last two years, speaking with me. And I have a group of about six to eight young adults, anywhere from uh, 19 to 28, that are very, very, they're all abstaining. They have different stories. About half of them are virgins, the other half. 
they are, they've been sexually active, but once they somebody presented the truth to them, they were able to, to make recommit. One young man is 26 years old. He was sexually active from the age of 17 to 20. He has been abstaining for the last six years. And so when I, I, I see these stories, and I, and I hear these stories all the time, and I think, wow, we have really sold these young people so short by not believing that they have the power and the ability to make these decisions. I think it's really important for young people, and this is one of the things that I'm very passionate about, for those young people who have engaged in sexual activity, whether by choice or against their will, for them to understand that you don't have to keep going, because I think that that's what kind of falls into the minds of people. I know that's what the enemy tells them is that, okay, well, you're not a virgin now, and so, so well. You can't go backwards, but I think it's powerful and for you to have young people that, like the young man that you mentioned, who was active, but now he knows the truth, and for six years he has taken a stand and said, okay, now I know. When you know better, you do better. And I think that that's so powerful for young people to hear uh, that message and to understand that at any point you can stop and you can recommit and you can begin to make different decisions than you have in the past. Now, let me ask, because I know you see, because you're in the schools, like we're in a lot of schools, and I tell you, girls are so aggressive. I mean, it starts in elementary school in many instances, but they are so aggressive in terms of sexually aggressive, just physically aggressive. Can you tell our listeners what some of the guys are saying uh, when you come into the schools and you're talking to them, can you kind of give some, some insider tips on what young men are saying and how they really feel when it comes to aggressive girls and the girl that is laying things on a platter that feels like this is the way that I get love versus the young lady whose standards have been set, who's not compromising the standards. Can, can you share some insight on that? Yes, and I will tell you, we've really sold young men short. I, guys, to me, are sometimes more receptive to this message than girls are. Girls can get very defensive. Guys are very, very honest. And I love when I do co-ed classes in high schools and the girls get to hear what the guys have to say because the guys are very honest in class. Guys tell me that girls are pressuring them to have sex. One guy told me, he said, it's hard to find a girl today who will even challenge you to wait for sex. And he said even when they say they want to wait to have sex, he said three to six months down the line, even though they said they didn't want to have sex, he said they're giving it up. Um, guys also tell me that they don't feel like they have a choice because they say if we don't ask a girl for sex, one of three things will happen. The first thing is she's going to think we're gay. The second thing is she thinks something's wrong with her. The third thing is she thinks we're cheating on her. They said, so we feel like we're between a rock and a hard place. And I think what's so unfortunate is you end up with a guy who may not really want to have sex, but he doesn't think he has a choice. And then you have a girl who deep down in her heart of hearts, she may not want to have sex, but she doesn't think she has a choice. And this is what I tell them all the time. I said, if y'all would just make decisions based on what you want instead of what you think you're supposed to do. Because in that situation, two people who are making a decision that could change the rest of their life, and it's not what either one of them wanted to do, they just thought they didn't have a choice. 
I, I have to share this story about a young man because I think this is so powerful and girls don't get it. This young man came up to me after I had spoken in his class the first day. I was returning for the second day, and he said, I want to talk to you. He said, I'm not a virgin. I'm not proud of that. He said, but that's not my issue. He said, I've decided I'm not going to have sex anymore after what I heard you say yesterday. You know, I'm done with sex. He said, here's my issue. He said, I'm, he was a junior in high school. He said, I'm dating a girl who's a sophomore. She told me when we, he said, she's a virgin. She told me when we first started dating that she didn't want to have sex until she got married. And he said, I respected her for that. He said, earlier this week, she came to me and asked me if I planned to take her to the prom in the spring, because this was last fall. And he said, I told her, of course I'll take you to the prom. We're still dating, I'll take you to the prom. And he said, then she told me, well, then I changed my mind. I don't want to wait till I get married to have sex. I want to have sex on prom night. And he said, I lost all respect for her when she told me that. And I said, well, you know what? I give anybody the benefit of the doubt. I said, before you heard me speak, I said, you weren't thinking like that either. I said, so go back and tell her exactly what you heard in the class during these two days and see if she still wants to have sex with you on prom night. I said, and if she does, she doesn't deserve you. And what I think is so unfortunate is I'm sure that young lady thought that this young man was going to be so happy when she tells him, I want to have sex with you on prom night. And so I went back to that school this semester, and I ran into that young man in the hall. And I said, whatever happened with you and the girl? And he said, oh, we broke up. He said, I just couldn't date her anymore after that. Wow. And that's what girls don't understand. They don't understand. There's this whole respect level. And and guys, like I had a guy tell me, he said, if a girl performs oral sex on me, he said, I will never look at her the same. And see, at the end of the day, girls are looking for love, and they're using sex to get that love. Yes. For Yeah, and then for guys, some guys, not all guys, they use love to get sex. Oh, I love you. You know we're going to be together. You know, they they play with not all guys again, but many guys will play on the emotions of young girls who are seeking that love, that attention, that affirmation. So here she did something that, like you said, she was probably thinking was going to seal the deal, was going to keep him, and it ended up making him totally turned off. Well, what kind of tips or advice can you give to young girls who might be struggling or feeling pressure, maybe pressure from their boyfriend? What advice would you give to teen girls who might be struggling? The first thing I say to them is that they need to figure out who they are and what, and, and what they want because so much of the decisions, that so many of the decisions that they're making is based on what someone else want them, wants them to do or, in many cases, what they think someone else wants them to do. In a lot of cases, that's not even what the guy wants, but that's what they think. So if they can figure out who they are and what they want and set their standards, and any guy that can't meet their standards, then just realize he doesn't deserve them. If they can stop trying to fit in and understand that they were never created to be like everyone else. I remember a few years ago, Nicole, your organization did a conference called Designer Original. Do you remember that? Yes, ma'am. And I remember loving that because... If these girls could just understand that they need to be themselves and not who they think they're supposed to be. I also tell them that they could only make decisions that they could be proud of. And I said that would take care of a lot of the bad decisions. I said if you ask yourself, and it's funny, I I was at a middle school this morning and I asked the girls, I said, what if they came on the intercom every morning and said the following people had sex last night? And all the girls were like, oh, my God, that would be horrible. And I said, but you know what? If you lived your life only making decisions that you could be proud of, you wouldn't have to worry about being embarrassed by anything that, that you do. 
Um, a young lady said yesterday in class, which I thought was very telling, I was asking them about, you know, why they're so obsessed with having a boyfriend and why, you know, because these were middle school eighth grade girls. And one girl said, and, and you know, why, what kind of stresses they had. And they were telling me all the stress that they had, and there was so much stress trying to, you know, wear the right clothes, look the, look, look the right way and all this kind of stuff. And she said, we spend our first ten years, she said, we spend the first ten years of our lives playing with Barbie dolls, and we spend the next 20, ten years trying to look like a Barbie doll. Out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> I know. I was like, wow. I said, that is so true. And the the reality, the sad reality, Jackie, and, and you and I know this, when girl, young girls don't get a clear understanding of who they are and whose they are and of their value, they grow up to be women who have no clue. And they perpetuate those same decisions and those same choices, and the consequences just continue to grow and grow and grow. So how do parents raise girls in an over-sexualized society, especially when maybe they did not live a life of abstinence? Well, you know, I, I often get when I do parent workshops where a parent will say, I can't talk to my child about not having sex when she's a teenager because she knows that I did, because she knows that she was born when I was a teenager. And they say, I feel like I would be a hypocrite. And I say to those parents, I say, when you tell your child, don't do as I do, I said, that's a hypocrite. When you tell your child, don't do as I did, that's a teacher. And I said, if we allowed bad decisions that we made in any area to handicap us and handcuff us and keep us from being able to talk to our kids, I said, there, there would probably be a lot of areas that nothing should be said in. But I don't know why this is the one area that kind of makes parents who either had kids when they were teenagers or had kids out of wedlock feel like I have to keep my mouth shut and I can't guide my child in this area. And I think that Parents just need to under, be honest with their kids, and I don't say you tell them all the details about what your life, but t- honest from the standpoint of how that decision impacted their lives and continues in many cases to impact their lives. And it's a tough pill to swallow for some parents to be able to be honest and say, the reason we're struggling financially, the reason blah, 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 it's because of this choice, and that's why I don't want you to make that choice. But until those honest conversations happen, what happens is you have kids who don't think there's anything wrong with being a teen parent. I had a girl, I just read a letter yesterday from a girl who said, I thought I was going to be a teen parent because my mom was. And so it's it's almost like an expectation. So I, I think in, in that situation, I think if parents would just be honest, and a lot of parents don't, they don't, they don't want to think that the message is going to the kids that I hate that I had you or I regret that I had you. They can still have that conversation and say, baby, I love you. I'm so glad you're a part of my life. I just wish you had come into my life 10, 15 years later or, you know, if they were a teen parent or whatever so that your life would have been better. I think that's one of the worst things they can do is to say nothing because of their choices. If anything, they need to say even more. You know, I'm always tickled, but not but not really, with parents that are stressed out about the talk. Oh, my daughter's getting to the age we've got to have the talk. And I have to educate people all the time that there is no talk. There is no one conversation. What What is that? Where can you get that one talk? 
can you talk about how parents can use everyday situations to spark conversation and to keep the dialogue going with their kids? Because kids are going to be grossed out and they're going to roll their eyes and they're going to go through the emotions. Oh, mom, here you go again. They're going to go through that. But do you have any suggestions on how parents can have those, have that dialogue and open those lines of communication, even when it's uncomfortable, so that kids feel comfortable coming to them and talking to them and sharing with them their questions and concerns about sex? Well, I think... I think they don't start young enough, and it, it, when it starts at a younger age, it's not necessarily the sex talk. But I think what's, what we're missing in a lot of these conversations is talking about healthy relationships. And so if they're considering the talk as the sex talk, then they have missed the whole boat. Because if they start younger, and use the media to start conversations, use, you know, and all they have to do is watch television with their kids or listen to music, and they'll have plenty of opportunities, even if it's something from a negative standpoint, but use that as a teaching moment. And um, I think one of the things, and I'm working on this blog post that I'm doing for the month of May, I mean this blog series that I'm doing for the month of uh, May for Teen Pregnancy Prevention Month, and I was working on the first one that I'm going to do is, is based on eighth-grade girls. And I think one of the biggest differences today than when parents were probably teenagers is I'm hearing from eighth grade girls that they are planning to have sex in high school independent of a boy or independent of a relationship. They don't even know who the boy is. They don't know. They just say, I plan to have sex when I was 16. I, I, one girl I read last night, she said, I plan to have a baby when, I was, when I'm 15. Now, these are 13, 14-year-old girls. Mm -hmm. One girl said, I felt like I had to have sex in high school to show people that somebody liked me enough to have sex with me. The, the progression that we're, we're used to seeing is girl meets boy, girl falls in love with boy, and he becomes her boyfriend. Boyfriend asks girl to have sex. They have sex. That was back in the day. Here's the progression that I'm seeing so much today. Girl decides to have sex. Girl meets boy. Girl may or may not fall in love with boy girl has sex so the sex is happening not even inside of a relationship today that's probably one of the biggest shocks that i've seen and that i've seen over the 11 years that i've been doing this is how many girls tell me they had sex with their best friend they had sex with the ex-boyfriend they had sex with the guy that they weren't dating they had sex you know and the number of sexual partners i mean ninth grade girl two weeks ago has had nine sexual partners and, Jackie, you cannot tell me that that does not affect a young girl's self-esteem and self-worth. If you could have seen the way this young lady was dressed, she was dressed like she should have been at a nightclub. And, I mean, borderline a stripper. And you know that's low self-esteem, where she's trying to use her body in the outward. And But so many of these girls have either been molested, they've been raped, they've been... You know, sex is a symptom of a much bigger issue, and I say that all the time. And what I tell the boys in the class is, I said, guys, I don't know why you brag about girls having sex with you, because in most cases, all you are is her medication. I said, and if she didn't medicate with you, she'd medicate with somebody else. And so the girls tell me I had sex with him because I wanted to show him how much I loved him. And my question is always back to them, but what are you going to do to show yourself how much you love you? Mm. I say, because when you love you, you protect you. When you love you, you respect you. When you love you, you don't make decisions that put your, will put your health at risk, that will jeopardize your chances of reaching your dreams and your goals. And so my message to the girls is love yourself 
before you try to show anybody how much you love them. Because in most cases, that's a future ex-boyfriend to start with. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I tell them, like, y'all are dating your future ex. Just, just be, well, How am I going to feel about this when he's my ex? Because that's what it's going to be. Right. Girls pay a higher price when it comes to sex. And it, it's yeah. so unfortunate, but it's so true. You think about the STD rates um, and, and how the numbers how girls are running the race when it comes to certain STDs. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the way that their bodies are made and that their bodies aren't, aren't finished developing. But then, you know, when it comes to pregnancy, nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten in many cases, the girl is the one that's stuck with the child, maybe right. with the father, maybe not. But it's her life that's impacted financially. It's her parents' lives that are impacted because it's those parents that have to, fill in the gaps and change their life, and financially they're impacted. You know, when we talk about uh, reputations and socially, girls pay a higher price right? because boys, you know, in boy circles, they get notches on their belt, and they get high fives, and they go, yeah, you know, you got them. You're a player. You're this and that. But we use other terms, or the community uses other terms when it comes to girls, and they are labeled hoes and freaks and all kinds of things, and their reputations are smeared, maybe even just with one encounter. Right. You know, and then you couple that with, oh, my God, technology. Technology is a blessing, but it's a curse. I mean, because now you have the the, the videos and the phones and the tweeting and the Facebook and, and the all of that. And so you couple all of that together, and girls pay a higher price. Girls pay such a higher price. And so if they could do like you said and begin to love themselves, find something to say yes to. You tell the girls and the guys that, find something. This is not a message about just say no. It's what am I going to say yes to? I'm going to say yes to my future. I'm going to say yes to my future husband. I'm going to say yes to success. Finding something to say yes to and pushing towards that and finding people who will help hold you accountable. Uh, one, one question I have for you before we conclude. For young people who say, well, I want to save myself, but does that mean that I'll never, ever be able to date? Do you think that young people can date and still abstain? I think they, they most definitely can. I, I have... I just think girls are, and I think dating is happening at way too early ages, because what I tell the the students is I said, even if sex is not a part of the relationship, I said relationships require a lot of time and energy, and they come with drama, even when there's no sex. And I say the time and energy that you are spending on this relationship is time and edu- time and energy that you're not spending on your education. And so I try to challenge them to, during the, these years in your life, Focus on those things that will help you be successful. Sex is not one of those things, and in many cases, relationships are not part of those things, which, I, I mean, I, and I know that's pretty extreme for them to say don't date at all, but I tell them, I say one of the ways that you, if you want to hang out, you know, hang out in groups mm-hmm. or at least find somebody who shares your commitment, not someone who goes along with your commitment, because if they're just going along with your commitment, they're just waiting for you to get weak. But find someone who shares your commitment that sex is not going to part, be a part of the relationship. You know, go to places where I always tell people, if you want to avoid failure, remove the opportunities to fail. 
don't be alone together with somebody, you know, at their house when their parents aren't home. Go to places that go to places that it will be very difficult for sex to happen in those locations. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm not going to say it's not possible. I just question sometimes, you know, how is that helping them in their life, especially when they're talking, you know, 13, 14 years old. Like, that, to me, that's just too young. Right. What's the purpose? Now, I know um, you've got some great things that are going on in terms of your blog. As you mentioned, May is Teen Pregnancy Prevention Month. How can our listeners connect with you, uh, perhaps have you come out and speak? I've seen you speak again at um, in youth environments, schools, at churches. I know that you have powerful messages for parents. So how can our listeners connect with you, and how can they follow the work that you're doing with your blog? Um, they can just go to my website, and there's information on there about if they wanted me to come speak. The blog, you know, they can click on the link for the blog. There are even video clips. Um, I have a YouTube channel and uh, Vimeo. And um, what's exciting is I just got a message, an email message about two weeks ago from a young lady who said, you know, I just watched about five of your videos online. I'm going to show them to my boyfriend. You know, I've made some bad decisions in the past, but I'm done with that life. And she said, oh, by the way, I'm from Texas. So I thought that was pretty cool that a young lady in Texas, I emailed her back and I said, how did you how did you end up on my website? And she said, I was just Googling, which is amazing, the power of the Internet. Yeah. But um, so have the parents, you know, let their, their sons, their daughters watch some of those video clips online. But JackieBruton.com, B-R-E-W-T-O-N, is where they can get all of that information. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Jackie, for joining us here at A Priceless Perspective. We look forward to having you back again and again and again because you are such an awesome woman and you're doing such great things in our community. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Join the conversation. Visit us online at pricelessperspective.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. This show has been brought to you in part by Diamond in the Wealth Youth Development Program Perspective and Gem Maker Sellout Perspective. Prices. Perspective. Prices. Perspective. Prices. Perspective. 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 Perspective.